Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Anderson, and picking up on the reporting, authorities in the area uh, don't believe this is a coincidence. That's not surprising to have these kinds of shots and this kinds of proximity. Um, it does seem as though there must be some connection. The question is, what? Is it opportunity or is it bias? And we'll pick up the story and monitor during, during our, our, our hour. Anderson, thank you. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. Uh, eight people now confirmed killed in a series of three shootings at spas in Atlanta. Now, at least four of the victims are Asian women. The question, of course, is were they targeted? One suspect has just been apprehended. When we get more information, we will bring it to you. So let's go from that story of potential bias to what we know is absolute bias. And the Democrats have to see and deal with this absolute bias in what they're going to get from the other side of the aisle. Why am I saying this? The media is all a Twitter, literally and figuratively, that Mitch McConnell issued some new threat. Here it is. Nobody serving in this chamber can even begin, can even begin to imagine what a completely scorched earth Senate would look like. The Senate would be more like a hundred car pileup. Nothing moving. Now, not only is this not true, but it is not to be believed. I don't know why anybody is seeing this with any type of sense of apprehension. It's being viewed as a threat. It is not a threat. It is a promise from a political conniver without equal who has made a legacy of beating the Democrats. He eliminated the filibuster for Supreme Court nominations in 2017. Hello, why would you listen to him about this? Why would you even consider what he's saying? That was scorched earth. No one can imagine it. You've lived it, Democrats. You've lived it with him. He refused to even meet with a president from your party's Supreme Court nominee. Remember his reasoning. It was too close to an election. Then what did he do? He confirmed his own party's president's nominee in record time during an election. Millions of Americans had already voted. Why is anyone surprised by what he says or does? Why would you even weigh his words? Why would you even put it into the calculus? of what you need to do to get your agenda done. Be more like him when it comes to understanding manipulation of the power. He only does scorched earth. Show me Mitch McConnell acting in bipartisan fashion on any regular basis. Scorched earth is passing unpopular, unpaid for tax cuts for millionaires without a single Democrat vote. Scorched earth is burning millions of struggling Americans by holding relief hostage, and why? To protect corporations during a pandemic. 
You really think McConnell is going to work with the Democrats on HR or S1? This is a holy war for the opposition party. Expanding voting rights is an existential threat to a party banking on white fright. Trump admitted it himself tonight, while again pushing the big lie. Here's the proof. I think it would be a disaster for our country. It would be very unfair. And our Supreme Court and our courts didn't have the courage to overturn elections that should have been overturned. Can a Republican win again if H.R. 1 becomes law? If they allow that to happen, if it's allowed to happen, I think your Republicans will have a very hard time getting elected. Just to remind the open-minded, it was courage that the courts, even judges picked by Trump, didn't bow to fealty, that they upheld the law. That is courage. Now, look, you just heard Trump say it himself. If H.R. 1 or S. 1, the Senate version is S, H.R. is the House version. If it becomes law, Republicans may not win elections. Now, he answered a loaded question, right? Why? Because this was a Fox person. And they're all about spreading division. Can a Republican ever win again if voting is expanded? Of course they can. If they don't constantly make white people afraid of diversity, you don't demonize people of color, maybe they'll vote for you. Improve their lives. Try that. Look, this is why the right, the Trump faction, the opposition party are all trying to resurrect Jim Crow laws. Jim Crow laws designed in reaction to post-Civil War reconstruction to stifle integration of minorities in 43 states. It's going on right now. And by the way, the filibuster was born during the Jim Crow period to allow the senators who didn't want progress to slow it down. That's where it comes from. It's not in the Constitution. Just now, as in the last wave of color politics, it's about suppressing the minority vote, this time to block Biden's agenda. Now, the savvy members of the opposition party say, no, 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 no. This is about election security. Show me how cutting out minorities makes an election safer for anyone other than people who appeal more to white voters. Second, if security is such a concern, And why are they all so quiet tonight? We have news of a newly declassified report from U.S. Intel that Russia attempted to interfere with our election again in the 2020 race. Isn't this an election security threat to address? This is a hint to the quietude we are experiencing on the right. The report says Putin authorized a range of influence operations aimed at denigrating President Biden's candidacy and the Democratic Party that he used proxies linked to Russian intelligence to spread disinformation against Biden. That Russian proxies who, quote, met with and provided materials to Trump administration-linked people. That's why they're quiet. That's why there's no outrage from the right, no calls for change. That's election security. It's not about election security. These laws all over the country from the opposition party are not about the red menace, but what I say Trump meant as the brown menace. Minorities. Trump is gone. But what remains in his ranks is as rank as he was. Not doing what it takes to get these laws all over the country, 250 plus efforts. If you don't get these X'd out, minorities will be put back 
50 plus years. Now, that might be what some mean by MAGA being great again, but it means nothing good for this country or for Democrats if it happens on their watch. I know pundits and party members are saying Democrats have a lot to think about. What should we do next? What matters more than this fight? And what options are there for how Democrats can get it done? Let's ask the better minds, David Gregory and Brian Fallon. Gentlemen, good to see you. Brian, it's been a minute. I hope you're well. Um, D. Greg. Thank you. Is my analysis of McConnell and this kind of feigned surprise at what he's saying now, do you see this as unexceptional as I do? Yeah, I do see it as unexceptional. I mean, this is about the votes and this is about power politics. I mean, we are well into this era of power politics. And I think, you know, Brian will weigh in on this, but I suspect, given the Democrats I know, uh, there's a lot of frustration that Republicans have played power politics better than they have in, in Congress. And McConnell, of course, uh, is the ultimate player in that. And so, yeah, he'll issue these warnings uh, saying that all kinds of things will happen. And Democrats do need to remember that what they achieve today will ultimately be used against them when Republicans are back in control. And they'll have to make a determination about whether it's worth it. The calculation now is, on the filibuster, how do they reform it? Where do they have the votes? It's a simple numbers game here that they're playing, and that's the, the calculation the president will make. Well, first things first. Brian, do you believe that looking at how to stop those state laws should be the next big effort for Congress? Absolutely. And uh, as Democrats, let me just say that, you know, this is a very narrow two year window and maybe not even two years when you only have the Senate by a 50 50 margin and you have lots of senators over 70, some of whom have Republican governors in their state. It just takes one senator falling ill, God forbid, for the majority to flip in the United States Senate. So we can't even act like we have two years. So whatever narrow window of time we have, we have to get it right in pursuing these democracy reforms like H.R. 1 and the John Lewis Voting Rights. Act that is really the last remaining bulwark to these, you know, 250 plus bills that have been introduced in 43 states across the country seeking to suppress the vote. And, you know, Mitch McConnell knows this. He's viewing this in apocalyptic terms. If H.R. 1 passes, if D.C. is added to the union as the 51st state, you know, then this sort of unlocks the whole system that has propped up the Republican Party as uh, a dominant force in American politics. You have in the United States Senate an institution that is designed to prop up minority rule already through Senate malapportionment, where largely white, largely rural states like Wyoming have the same Senate representation as some of the most populous, diverse states in the country like California. And then on top of those rigged rules in the Senate that already create that imbalance, you add the filibuster, which is an added tool of the minority. And it's no wonder we're, you know, preordained to have permanent gridlock here. So Mitch McConnell's threats, I think, are going to fall on deaf ears. And I have to say, I think he's misplaying it. I think if he was clever, he would be strategically releasing some Republicans to work with some Democrats on some of these measures, not all of them, but just enough of them to sort of take the wind out of the sails of those of us like myself that are pointing to the fact that Republicans are blocking us on everything and using that argument to rally support among Democrats. If Joe Manchin had a negotiating partner on some of these bills, like an infrastructure package, it could really slow things down. But McConnell only has one setting. He only has one gear, which is block everything. And right now that's backfiring on it. Now, the question is, how do Democrats get it done? We don't believe they have 50 votes within their own party to get rid of the filibuster. The president, who had said he didn't want to get rid of the filibuster, had a nice modification maybe tonight. Listen to this, fellas. 
So aren't you going to have to choose? I know you've been reluctant to do away with the filibuster. Aren't you going to have to choose between preserving the filibuster and advancing your agenda? Yes. But here's the choice. I don't think you have to eliminate the filibuster. You have to do it what it used to be when I first got to the Senate and back in the old days when you used to be around there. And that is that a filibuster, you had to stand up and command the floor. And you had to keep talking alone. So you're for that reform. You're for bringing back the talking filibuster. I am. That's what it was supposed to be. See, look, David, I think they've been behind the ball. I mean, the question, you know, we all love George. He's a friend of mine. But it's never been binary. It was always about just massaging the filibuster, maybe even as a one-off. Joe Manchin has all but told you he's open to that by saying, I don't want to just get rid of it. I, you know, and he talks about the bird bath, Senator Byrd, you know, obviously West Virginia has affinity to him being West Virginia. There are other forms of the filibuster. Has this been the missing dialogue for the Democrats about something short of getting rid of it, the nuclear option? Yeah, but I mean, it's emerged. Manchin is forced its emergence by because they didn't have the votes without him. And now he's saying, well, we should make it more painful for Republicans to invoke that. Um, Senator Durbin is talking about that uh, today. And that's what Biden is jumping on to, because, again, that's where the votes are. Um, and I, look, I think Biden thinks this is a dangerous play because he comes from a different political era. Um, you know, what Brian said at the end of his last answer, I thought was particularly interesting because you're right. Manchin doesn't have a negotiating partner because Republicans have made that decision and the leadership's made that decision that basically the next election is five minutes from now, especially when you have an even split in the Senate. And so, you know, there's a narrow amount of time for a president to get something through, like on like a big uh, bill like the COVID relief. But they can block him on other things. And, and Republicans have been so clear at saying that what they talk about as election security, they apparently aren't concerned about, you know, foreign countries interfering in our elections, but they're concerned about what they'll call election security, which is not true. Um, uh, you know, that's that's what they'll be concerned about. It's really just a zero sum game, which is they're worried about the fact that they can't get Republicans elected if everybody has an opportunity to vote. And so it's pretty clear what they're talking about. Let's see Democrats massage this issue and find a way to get together and get this done. Because, Brian, as you said, they do not have as long as they may suspect. David Gregory, Brian Fallon, I didn't have as long as I suspected either. I have to go. But thank you very much, gentlemen. <laughs> I appreciate you, and I'll have you back soon, Brian. All right, we do have breaking news tonight, and that's why I have to move along. An eighth person has now lost their life in back-to-back -back shootings at three spas in Georgia. In crimes, there are very rarely coincidences. They have a suspect in custody. Is that person connected to other attacks? What was the motive behind these attacks? Was it the same? We've got a team on the scene with a live update next. Let's get back to the breaking news. A tragedy unfolding in Georgia as we are on TV. At least eight people dead in a series of shootings at the same kinds of locations, spas in and around Atlanta, Georgia. At least four of the dead are Asian women. We do not know the race or gender of the others or the relationship of those people to this crime. The questions are obvious. Uh, were these a coincidence? Likely not. Was this coordinated criminality on the basis of bias or opportunity? Ryan Young is on the scene. Ryan, what is the latest? Well, that's a great question there, Chris, and that's what investigators are working to find out right now. I can tell you this, though. One of the reasons why we haven't found out 
the race and the ages of one of those first shooting scenes is they haven't told all the family members yet, uh, the folks who have died, um, but their lo the loved ones have been lost. I mean, it's a tough, tough day, especially when investigators are having to make those phone calls. I'll step out of the way here, and you can look at the active crime scene that's going on. We do have the information, though, the Cherokee County Sheriff's Department telling us that they have captured a suspect. They believe Robert Aaron Long, 21, of Woodstock, was involved in that first shooting scene, and that's who investigators were looking for. We do know that four people are dead at that scene. And then this is the scene in Atlanta where there are two separate shooting scenes. You have the gold spa, and then you have the spa across the street over there. Three women were shot in one location. Another woman was shot at another location. We do know the suspect was caught in Chris County, which is about two hours away from here. There was a small vehicle pursuit, I'm being told, uh, by some of sources that we've been able to talk to, and they were able to capture him. Not sure if they've been able to speak with him at all to figure out what a motive is. We have also have not been able to connect him for sure to this scene at all just yet. But I can tell you that law enforcement in the metro Atlanta area was working with the theory that they were looking for that man who was 21 of Woodstock. They were looking for that four four-door Hyundai Tucson, which was black in color and had some damage to the side. And so obviously with these different sites here, um, there was a lot of people who were concerned about the targets of this. And of course, uh, as police got that investigation going, they say it was surveillance video that sort of pointed them in the direction of who the suspect was. And this happened for several hours. Chris, Cherokee County is about a 47-minute drive right. from where I'm standing right now. And then if you think about it, you're talking about two hours away from here is where this suspect was was captured. So I'm not sure if there was any sort of online threats made before this happened, but it's obviously something that investigators are going through. Now, where I'm standing is near Buckhead. Um, this is pretty much Buckhead, and this whole area, this street right here, would be busy normally. They've shut this down if they've right. done this investigation. There were witnesses also to this shooting that they were speaking to, but obviously right now the focus is on that motive to try to figure out exactly why uh, a person or persons were involved in the shooting and would target these places. Um, like I said, three Three in this building and one across the street. Uh, horrifying for the folks who had to witness this and obviously the families that are finding out about their loved ones at this hour. So we know they placed him at the scene, but they don't know if they can place him in terms of the criminality. Uh, there was a pursuit that's obviously somewhat suggestive. And then the big question remains, Ryan, as you're teeing it up, was he a customer? Was this about being disgruntled? Was it about romance or was it about bias? Um, the more they get him to speak, the faster they'll get those answers. Ryan, if you hear anything, let me know and I'll come right back to you, okay? Be well and thank you. Absolutely. Thanks. For All right. Let's turn back to the crisis impacting tens of millions of Americans. All right. That those are the stakes. It's not all black people. It's not all minorities, but more than 250 bills in 43 states will drag this country far from the goal of a more perfect union. It will drag it back maybe 50 plus years because that's the last time we've seen this in this country, where there are laws by design to suppress the vote. So how do you stop it? Well, state by state will take a very long time. Most of these legislatures are run by Republicans. So you'd have to fight it out in the courts, a lengthy process. H.R. 1 in the House, S. 1 in the Senate are the For the People Act. The name doesn't matter. The impact does. Without it, the Republican Party's mission is clear. Make sure people who can vote now, who helped Biden win, can't do so in the future by purging voter registrations or by imposing stricter ID requirements. For those who still can, 
give them fewer options and less time by closing polls earlier, shortening early voting windows, getting rid of popular options like voting by mail. We need to be clear about who we're talking about. It is about stopping black people from making their voices heard. The bill, the opposition decries as the written hand of Lucifer. That's what they say. What would the bill really do? It would demand everybody get equal time and access. In other words, everybody can vote by mail. Every state must allow 15 consecutive days of early voting for 10 hours a day. No cutting out Sundays just because you want to stop souls to the polls, black churches, tradition. More polling places to ensure that we don't have to see repeats repeats of this. What do you think? You really think it's a coincidence that when you're in uh, lower economic areas, they don't have as much access to polls. They have to wait one, three, five, seven, ten hours. And then they want to rule in some of these places that you can't give people waiting in line like that food or water. Come on. All the talk about ensuring confidence in elections rings a little hollow. You know why? Because one, we know that's not what it is. That's what this tells you. That's what this tells you. But you know what else? There was silence today on the Intel report that the Kremlin continues interference in this election. And once again, they were trying to hurt Biden to help Trump. If this were really about security, you'd be focused on that, right? The For the People Act will increase protections against Russia's go-to tactics of misinformation. These bills do not. And for a party that claims to be so focused on it, why not back a bill that demands a paper trail and higher standards for all voting machines? They don't do that in these other bills. It would let voters and officials track each ballot in the mail, give states the ability to do more robust audits of election results. But until any of that is actually passed in the Senate, it's up to those on the ground in all these states to fight for a country that is truly for the people and by the people. That includes folks like new friend of show, Ensei Ufat, CEO of the New Georgia Project. Welcome back to primetime. It's good to see you. Uh, Let's pick up this fight with what the next step is. First, I have heard Democrats, pundits and party types saying, well, you know, Biden's got to figure out what's next. He's got a lot on his agenda. Do you believe anything should come before this fight and HR1 slash S1? No, not at all. Um, I understood the the need for emergency relief for American families that are suffering, uh, that we are very much still in the middle of the pandemic. Georgia is the last in the state in terms of vaccine distribution. So I understood uh, the importance of it, the primacy of getting COVID relief out the doors. Those $1,400 checks have been hitting people's accounts this weekend. Folks have been all over Twitter uh, thanking Georgia voters for making it happen. Um, and now we have to get to the business of protecting our democracy. I don't think that there's anything that is more pressing and more urgent than making sure that we have a federal standard for elections and that we don't let Republicans play politics and get in the way of a justice agenda. If they don't change the filibuster, they likely don't get this done. What would that mean? What does a state-by-state effort look like if these bills get passed? 
I mean, you mentioned it earlier. We are going, there are 43 states that are currently delivering anti-voting bills. And it is going to take an extraordinary amount of time to work those bills, to fight them in the legislatures or to fight them in court. And with uh, HR1 and HR4 uh, and filibuster reform, we have a, a clear path to protecting our elections, to protecting our democracy and stopping these nonsense attacks um, that are based on disinformation, that are based on lies, that is a naked attempt for the uh, for the Republicans who lost and lost badly and lost repeatedly and will likely continue to lose unless they moderate their positions and move closer to something that the American people actually want. That this, this party of no, these sort of toddler politics where they throw themselves on the ground and just flail around, stopping from doing, stopping the, the people's work from happening is not going to cut it. And again, I think that democracy reform, filibuster reform, passing uh, Senate 1 uh, and H.R. 4 are of the utmost importance in this moment. I think that there's some concern about, you know, whether or not we can get policing reform. Right. Uh, you know, right. I, my folks, we are desperately looking for uh, Americans to get an increase, uh, a wage increase, because uh, Americans haven't had a raise in 12 years. The minimum wage is still $7.25 an hour. And we won't be able to make progress on any of those much needed uh, policy uh, reforms uh, if we don't have the right to vote. If the American people don't have the right to participate in our elections free of intimidation, um, and, 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 and if every vote is not not allowed to count, if people aren't allowed to participate in our elections in the way that they choose, um, the entire agenda is at jeopardy. And so I think that... The, the right to vote is the antecedent. Uh, it's the precedent that we need to protect it, that we need to shore it up uh, so that we can win on these other reforms. And just, you know, to remind people, you know, I understand that Democrats are worried about what message it sends if they mess with the filibuster. What message does it send to the all-important African-American voters? that helped Biden, that helped sustain Democrats, if in this biggest struggle of their political existence, they don't get it done. And say, Ufat, thank you very much for giving us the state of play. You're always welcome on the show. Thank you, Chris. Be well. Good night. This country has been making big gains when it comes to the pandemic, and that's good. Feel good about it. But that doesn't mean that the fight is over. There is a new spike in Europe. Now, ordinarily, let's be honest, pre-COVID, ah, Europe, South America, we're kind of an island here. No, we're not. And what happens there will be here next. How are we handling the warning of the wave of variants? Next. Fact, Trump supporters are the least likely to say they'll seek a COVID vaccine. Big part of that is messaging. Today, after being berated for his silence for months about the need to take the vaccine, Trump finally said this. I would recommend it, and I would recommend it to a lot of people that don't want to get it. And a lot of those people voted for me, frankly. But, you know, again, we have our freedoms and we have to uh, live by that. And I agree with that also. But it's a great vaccine. It's a safe vaccine. And it's uh, something that works. Look, he started off the right way. It was a little bit muddled. But here's why. Look, first of all, if you're a Trump supporter and you somehow believe that this is deep state or whatever BS you believe, 
He just told you, take the vaccine. Listen to him. The easiest case study on why we need the vaccine is Europe. COVID cases are surging there right now. Top experts like Dr. Fauci are warning, see them, that could be us. Listen. And when you see a plateau at a level as high as 60,000 cases a day, that is a very vulnerable time to have a surge to go back up. And that's what exactly happened in Europe. The proposition is simple but serious. Will we learn from our COVID history or repeat it? Look, we've come a long way from the winter peaks, but look at how we compare to several countries across the Atlantic. Every time we saw a new wave over there, we not only followed with one, we outdid it in cases and in deaths. Experts say the latest surge across Europe is driven by these new variants, right? The the one they call the UK variant. Some places have no choice but to lock down again. Half of Italy's 20 regions, including Rome, Milan, Venice, they all went into a new lockdown just today. People are banned from leaving their homes again, this time with the provisions for work and health reasons. Germany and France are considering new restrictions because cases are exploding. About 100 COVID patients in Paris were evacuated from the region because hospitals there reached their breaking point. The Czech Republic, already in a strict lockdown for the past two weeks. These places have vaccines. See, there's a lot of misinformation on the internet. They don't have the vaccine. It's not true. This is a race between the vaccine and the variant. And if you don't keep doing the right things and rely just on the vaccine saving you, you will wind up in the suck again. Many European countries lag behind the US and UK in vaccination rates. True, true. Bureaucracy, supply shortages, political infighting, They have problems there that hopefully we're moving past. But vaccine hesitancy is hitting them hard. At least 16 European countries are uh, suspending a primary vaccine, AstraZeneca. Why? Concerns about blood clots. Are those legitimate? We're going to break down what the science tells us. Uh, We're going to take a segment and we're going to look at this because you got to have confidence. Nobody wants you to take something that's going to hurt you. But it all underscores why mitigation measures and getting more shots in arms fast is crucial. 12% of the U.S. population has been fully vaccinated. We need like five times that. The number of daily vaccines are getting better by the day. I'm just telling you, it's not fast enough. It is not enough to keep new hotspots from occurring. We're going to take it to a top health authority for the reality. Next. This new wave of COVID cases is real. The variant is real, and it is crushing Europe. Ontario, Canada also declared a new wave tonight. You see what's going to happen. We know that it's here. We just heard the CDC say that this UK variant, as they call it that, I don't mean to disparage the UK. It's just about where they believe the variant started. It is going to be the dominant one here and soon. That's what the CDC says. So let's bring in Dr. Ashish Jha. Um, for how to deal with this. It's not if, it's when. What is the likelihood that the vaccine efforts here will get us to immunity before the variants can force shutdowns like what we're seeing in Europe? Yeah, good evening, Chris. Thanks for having me on. It's going to be a close call, Chris. Uh, We are vaccinating really well. That's the good news. These variants are spreading pretty quickly across the country. That's the bad news. 
And to me, I think the vaccine should win out, but here's the big but. What Texas, Mississippi, other states are doing to relax and uh, get rid of the mask orders and kind of act like everything is back to normal, that is definitely coming down on the side of the variants. That is not helpful. And that is what I'm most worried about right now. But you are open to the analysis of how, not just if, right? So um, you want to travel? Okay. It's about how. Not travel, don't travel, but travel the safe way. And when you get to where you're going, don't pretend that there's no COVID. That's the Miami problem uh, that we see. Am I right in this analysis? Absolutely. Like, there's a lot that we can do safely. We've learned a lot over the last uh, year or so. Uh, The problem is that if we decide that it's over, the pandemic is over and go back to normal, we're really asking for another wave. We're asking for a lot more infections. And I think that's going to be a real problem. Uh, AstraZeneca. Virtually all of Western Europe is not going to use the shot anymore. Concerns over blood clots. Warranted? You know, I've looked at the data. I can't find anything that makes me think that this is really because of the vaccines. Look, uh, they've had about 30 or so cases of blood clots out of 17 million people who've been vaccinated. It doesn't seem like, based on the data, we've seen that it's any more likely than people who don't get vaccinated. So until we find more definitive data, I would not have paused this thing. Uh, They're going to do a deep dive, look more carefully. I think they're going to come up with the idea that it wasn't from the vaccine. Uh, But we'll see. What does it mean for the EUA, uh, the emergency use authorization in the U.S.? You know, the FDA, our FDA, is really, really rigorous. They go through this stuff with a fine-tooth comb. So if the vaccine is causing clots, like our FDA will identify that. Because uh, you know why I'm asking you, Ashish, right? Because when people hear this, this is a reason not to take it. People feel it was rushed. Yeah. It wasn't tested as much. So let me say two quick things. First of all, no concerns about blood clots for any of the three vaccines we have right now. For Astra, uh, Not for Johnson & Johnson, not for Moderna, not for Pfizer. If AstraZeneca were to get authorized here, and that's a big if, It would be because the FDA did the thorough review. So I'm very confident in our process. There's a piece in the Washington Post that long haulers, it's all anecdotal, by the way, and the research I've done uh, suggests it's correlation, but not causation. But here's the headline. Uh, And I'll be uh, full disclosure. I don't like the headline. I think this is misleading, but I'll, I'll take your word for the audience. People who have long haul who took the vaccine say their symptoms are subsiding after getting the vaccine. Do you buy it? Yeah, there's some good immunologic explanation for how a vaccine can help long haulers. The data I've seen, Chris, says it won't help everybody, but there probably is a chunk of people who have long haul symptoms who I think probably will be helped, but we got to carefully study this to figure out if it's real or not. Because when I read into the piece, they don't have causative science in there. It's anecdotal at this point. And when I talked to people who were researching and helped devel- develop the vaccine, they said it's likely at this point that time is as relevant in what abates the symptoms as the vaccine. Look, I'd love for it to be true. I can't wait till I'm eligible to get the vaccine. I'm definitely going to get the vaccine. I'd love for my long haul symptoms to be better. But I just don't want people to get false hope because I believe with that story, We're just starting to learn about it, and it will be the legacy of COVID. will be long haul. All right, Ja, thank you very much. And I always tell people, one of the reasons I love having you on, you figured out how to do it right at Brown University, and you got the case count to zero. I know people whose kids go there. My doctor is one of them. Um, 
you know how to do it right, and you know what happens when it's done right. And I appreciate your perspective because you put it to work. Ashish Jha, thank, thank you. Chris. Be well, Doc. Think about that. Zero cases he got at Brown University just by doing the same things that they're telling us to do everywhere else. We know how crazy college kids are, right? President Biden kicked off his help is here tour today. He's selling the relief bill, but there's not much to sell. Is that really his goal? Popularity has been doing well, even in the states he lost. Why? Let's look at the numbers in terms of where Biden's challenges are, where he's strong, where not, and why. The Wizard of Odds, inside the numbers. Next. President Biden is outworking the country. Good. Good. Don't rely just on us. Don't rely just on insiders. Bypass it. Go to the people. That's how you build a real mandate, especially when you have the kind of partisan poison going on in our Congress. Now, what's the main reason? The headline is the legislative victory, you know, the coronavirus relief package. And he certainly has that, but there may be something else to celebrate, which is a boost in the polls in states where he lost. True? And if so, can we figure out why? That's where the Wizard of Odds comes. Harry, what do you see uh, when you take a look at this? Let's start with your first slide. It's true, Christopher. It is true. Take a look at these three swing states that he lost back in 2020. Iowa, North Carolina, and Texas. He lost them by anywhere from a point in North Carolina, birds of eight in Iowa. And look at that. His net approval rating, his approval rating minus his disapproval rating in all three of those states are in the blue or the green, perhaps. Why? That is, they're all positive. Why? I'll tell you why. The reason is if you look in each of these states, what you see is that on the coronavirus, his response is seen much more positively than his overall approval ratings. So this is something we saw during the campaign, right? We saw that Biden was able to defeat Trump on who was best able to handle the pandemic. And so far, voters, even in these Red swing states are liking the way that that he's was the second slide. People can see the numbers if you put it up for them. This um, is a separate thing. But yeah, that, that, what, what this is. But I think this is important, though, Chris. And what this is suggesting is that this is a national look, right? We can average a lot of polls nationally. And this gives you a good indication. And that is where he is seeing that growth isn't just in those red states, but it's among Republicans. Look at that. His vote share among Republicans in 2020 was just six percent. His approval rating right now in 2021 14%. How much is that because he's not being compared to a Republican? That's at least part of it. But I think also part of it, again, just comes down to the fact that at this particular point, Republicans, at least some portion of that base is willing to give him a shot. It's a small portion, but it's enough of a portion that right now what we see is that Biden is doing well, much better in those red swing states than he was doing back in November. All right. So let's do apples to oranges. Uh, no pun intended. With him and uh, Trump. Right. This, I think, gives you the whole thing, right, which is look at how much better shape Joe Biden is right now to go out and sell this relief package than Donald Trump would have been back in 2017 to sell whatever the heck he wanted to. Look, his approval rating, 53 percent. Historically, that wouldn't be great, say, compared to Obama or Bush at this point. But compared to Donald Trump in this very polarized era, the numbers are basically inverted, right, where Biden has this rating of 53 percent. Trump was just at 43 percent. And more importantly, look at that disapproval rating right now, just at 41 percent for Biden. Trump was already had a majority of the country against him at this point. What do you see when you look in uh, to the people who don't like Biden? You know, if you watch 
all these shows on Fox News, you go down the CPAC. What you saw was just very difficult to get Republicans too animated against Biden. They had to speak about other issues, Dr. Seuss, all that jazz. And a big reason why you see this here is if you look at the strongly disapproved ratings, the people who really, really don't like Joe Biden, it's just 29% of the electorate. That's a fairly small portion in today's polarized electorate. Donald Trump strongly disapproved at this point was already 43%. There was this huge chunk of the electorate that no matter what he did, they were gonna dislike him. That portion of the electorate right now for Joe Biden, at least in the early days, significantly smaller. So what do you think the strategy should be going out there? He already got the relief bill done. Um, so it's not like he's selling it to them. They already bought it, right, putatively through their representatives. Of course, just one side of the party uh, aisle. Um, what do you think he should be trying to focus on out there? Well, in selling it, what he wants to do, remember, a lot of the portions of this program run out in the next few months, right? He wants to go bigger. He wants to enact a program that doesn't just last the next few months. He wants it to last the next few years. And he's going to have a lot of congressional battles going down the chute. And if he's going to keep those congressional Democrats to keep voting with him, right, they have a very small majority in the House and obviously a very, very small one in the Senate. If, the, if these red state congressmen or these red state senators like a Joe Manchin or a centrist like Kirsten Sinema don't believe that the voters are with with them, they're far more likely to abandon on future legislative endeavors. So it's very, very important that these senators and these members of the House stay with Biden, believe these packages are popular so that when you go down the line and you want to pass even more pieces of legislation, they will, in fact, do so. It's a good step up move for Biden. You know, he's been a little bit laid back and we understand why. And it's worked for him as a calculus so far. But if he can get in front of the congestion in Congress by going right to people and talking about what people want, that is the origin of the bully pulpit, as Theodore Roosevelt dubbed it. Thank you very much for taking us inside the numbers, Wiz. I a love good taking night. you inside, right inside. Even without my glasses, I go right inside the numbers. I, I don't even wear know glasses. you wore glasses. No, I don't wear glasses. Lie to the audience. Don't I didn't that. lie to the audience. I wish I wore glasses. Make me look so much smarter. <laughs> it's the least of your problems. I'll see you back in the office. We're going to take a break. We come back teeing up the big show. All right. Thank you for watching. Time for the big show, CNN Tonight, and the big star, D. Lemon, right now. So I say, I was watching you and Harry. Uh, by the way, I love watching Harry on your show. I'm just wild about Harry on your show. But let me just say, <laughs> that was good. So um, I'm watching, and uh, in, in this divided political time, anything that's anywhere near a positive, I think it's, is um, the person is in a better spot than can be imagined. Because we're because think about the last the era of the administration that we just left. And what I will say as well is that Biden doesn't care. He's not worried about those numbers. He's just working and he's ignoring the Republicans. And that's got to be driving them crazy. I think that his laid back approach has been good. I, I think that there was some um, bad casting. Uh, around his approach early on, that he'll be able to work with these Republicans no. uh, on the right. Look, I don't know if you heard the open of the show tonight, but I'm tired of this media baiting about Mitch McConnell. Oh, he's threatening, you know, if you get rid of the filibuster. Why? Why is the media all a Twitter about this? Yeah. Why? What do you think he's going to do? It's not a threat. Right. It's a promise. Right. He will do you dirty and play power politics and beat Always. you again. Always. That's what he does. You're going to not remove the filibuster because you're worried about what it will mean. 
to Mitch McConnell. He will do it to you. He did it to you in 2017 with the most sacred aspect of supermajority, which is Supreme Court justices. He lied to you and then played you and won. What else do you need to know? In the very beginning, I said that, and I I posed a question not only to you and to guests on the show, but also to people who were potentially going to work for the administration and then ended up working for the administration, is why are you... Why do you care so much about what Mitch McConnell is doing? Why are you trying so hard to work with Republicans who actually don't believe in reality uh, at this point? It's not even how they believe they win. Right. Just to be clear. Work for the American people because the American people want you to work for them. Stop looking at the political class and trying to, yeah. Politics is about power, power accumulation and retention. I am not personally slamming Mitch McConnell. And it's not because I'm soft or I don't want the criticism that goes with it. He's playing the game. And he plays it very well. That's right. Now, that's all that matters to me. I don't know him. I don't need to know him. It's about his effectiveness. If the Democrats don't find a way, and this talk from the left and the, you know, the big shots on the media from the left, oh, they have to figure out what to do next. You know what to do next. <laughs> S1 and HR1 is next. If you don't get those done on your watch as Democrats, you're already a lame duck party. Yeah. As soon as you lose this fight. You won't, you won't be able to win any elections. I don't know what there is to discuss except how to finesse the filibuster to see that if you can do it without completely getting rid of it. That and gerrymandering. If you don't take care of voting and H.R. 1 and any of these issues, then you, you may not be elected to a national office, Democrats, ever again. Because Republicans, they're better at this politics thing. They're better at this gerrymandering. They're better thing. at staying they're together, at, but they're staying also, focused. But they're also better at suppressing the vote as well. Well, look, I mean, look, that's their bet right now. After Obama, it was about the big tent. They've decided to go in a different direction. Small tent. Yeah. A yurt. (laughs) No, a yurt? Not even an igloo? Like a little tiny tent? Weather dependent. Like a backpacking tent? You're done in the southern states if it's an igloo. (laughs) It's good to see you, Always a pleasure, brother. I love you, Uh, Dino. I got to get to this breaking news, and it's very serious. Because, look, we don't know, but this could be a biased crime against Asians and That's a no-go. we got to stop that. Thank you, Chris. I'll see you soon. I love you, brother. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN flash talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country, Beyonce and Nashville's Renaissance. Watch it at max.com slash callmecountry. Max subscription required.